Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. Hello, everyone. This is episode 42 of the Liberty Cafe. My name is Bill Peacock, and I'm blessed that you are with me here today. Also blessed to have Texas Scorecard as our sponsor. They stepped in, oh, I guess about half a year ago, to sponsor the Liberty Cafe, and it's been a blessing to work with those people who are fighting night and day to protect the liberty of Texans and really people all around the world. So thank you to Texas Scorecard. Well, we've got some good news and some bad news. The good news is is that the Texas legislature is done and gone away that they have finished their 140 days out of every two years that they meet in regular session to take care of the business of Texans. The bad news is, and this is really the same kind of news we've heard about the Texas legislature for a long time, is they really didn't do a whole lot to promote liberty. Now, there are some good things they have done, and and I, I know over Texas Scorecard they've written, about these things. Uh, the, the constitutional carry, that was a really good law. And there were, there were some other things that they did. But, well, let me put it this way. So back when I was at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, and, and this is not just there, but this is kind of a joke around the Capitol as well, at least among us conservatives, you know, I'd be walking down the hallway and and one of my colleagues would call me into their office and say, hey, Bill, come on in there. And there would be two of them sitting in their office, and they say, "Bill, we really heard, we just heard this, uh, but just wanted to let you know that we're going to tell you, but you can't tell anybody about it quite yet." And I said, "Okay, what is it?" And they'd say, "Bill, this session of the Texas Legislature is going to be the most conservative session ever." Right? Well, that joke has been going on for literally years, and it, it may not be funny anymore uh, to most people because they keep failing to do that. We kind of had a fun time with it at the foundation, and conservatives around the Capitol do too. But the truth of the matter is that the Texas legislature continually underachieves, given the fact that it's run by Republicans, and you know, vast majority of Republicans, sometimes almost veto, veto-proof majorities, not today, but it's still majority Republicans run that place and they have all those statewide elected officials, yet constantly the legislature fails to perform up to the levels it could. And the, the main reason for that is that that the legislature is beholden to the lobby and to corporate cronyism and to basically just you know the, the public liberal media establishment. Right. Now Sometimes they get around that. Sometimes they fight through that. Sometimes there are some brave souls who push through that and do some good things anyway, like Matt Schaefer. Representative Matt Schaefer did this session with uh, constitutional carry. But most of the time, they underachieve. And I want to hit just one area today that I think they really underachieved in, and that is their response to the Texas blackouts. As we all know, Texas had a historic freeze back in February, and consequently also had a historic blackout. Matter of fact, these could have been, these are probably the worst blackouts we've seen in the United States of America since 
I don't know, maybe New York back in the 1970s or 80s. New York's had their fair share recently, as has California. A lot more frequent blackouts due to grid problems, lack of supply problems on the grid. But the, the, the size and length of the Texas grid were really bad. Three plus days without electricity, longer than that without water for a lot of people. I, my family rarely ran out of electricity because we live right around the corner from a nursing home, but we were without water for what, three, four, five days, something like that. I think that was a lot easier being without water than it was electricity because we could deal with the water a lot easier. But nonetheless, oh, some people died. Some people had a lot of problems and the legislature had to deal with it this session. And there were really two ways that the legislature had to deal with the blackout. Right? They, first of all, they had to deal with the the aftermath of the blackout, all the costs that were imposed on the system. And then the second thing they had to do was try and prevent it from happening again. So let me deal with the first one of those. So, so, so once the lights were out, back on, and the water was back on, the main thing the legislature had to do with the massive financial cost of the blackout. So, and the blackouts themselves, you know, imposed costs, just running out of electricity. But by far the greatest cost imposed on Texans came from the Public Utility Commission and the, the decision of the commissioners there to arbitrarily and illegally in my mind, raise electricity prices to $9,000 per megawatt hour and leave them there for three days, right? So $9,000 per megawatt hour, that probably doesn't mean a lot to many people, but let me just pull up right now. I'm pulling up my, I've got this ERCOT app. ERCOT is the, uh, the organization chartered by the state that regulates the, the electric grid. Right now on the app, it says that uh, the average price of electricity North Texas right now it's twenty nine dollars, West Texas thirty four dollars, South thirty five dollars, and Houston twenty eight dollars. So twenty eight dollars in Houston per megawatt hour. Well, the PUC raised the price to nine thousand dollars per megawatt hour. Now the prices were already trading about two thousand dollars because of scarcity, but the PUC decided that. Well, the PUC just commissioners decided that they knew better than the markets about how the markets should run. And since the prices weren't high enough for them, they were just going to go ahead and raise them. Well, there are a whole bunch of things that were wrong with that. And I won't get into them here for, for time reasons, but they were wrong. And that decision alone imposed about at least $16 billion worth of cost on Texans. It could have been higher. It could have been up in as high as about $30 billion, but at least $16 billion of costs were imposed on the system, on Texans, on companies that participated in the grid. Yet, even though the commissioner's decision was, like I mentioned, without merit and probably illegal, this session, the legislature refused to do anything about it directly. They refused to reverse the decision. And they could have. The ERCOT protocols allowed, I think it was 30 days, for the PUC to go back and deal with this sort of thing. 
And uh, the, the PC themselves could have just gone back and, and reversed this, but the PC wouldn't do it because Greg Abbott apparently didn't want them to do it. Who knows why Governor Abbott didn't want to reduce all these costs that he, his appointees had imposed on the system, but they didn't. But the legislature still could have dealt with this by f- passing legislation to force the PC to deal with this, but they didn't. So what did the legislature do instead? Instead of removing the $16 billion worth of cost? Well, they passed bills this session that allowed different companies, both gas companies and electricity generators, co-ops, to securitize these the debts that they incurred because of the blackouts. So those are going to be in the billions of dollars. They won't be $16 billion, but there's going to be billions of dollars of debt that they're going to securitize. Well, guess who's going to get to pay off those debts over the next 10, 15, 20 years? Well, you are. You know, your electricity bills are going to be higher for a long period of time to pay off the debt that these companies incurred because of the PUC's actions. So the legislature decided to protect the interest of big business than Texans and the people who voted for them. Now, some people claim that reversing the PC's decision would have disrupted the market, but but that's not true at all. Reversing the PC's decision actually would have provided more confidence in the market because a market where regulators can step in and just arbitrarily do whatever they want to do, like raise prices, contrary to their own rules and the laws, is really not a market at all. And it's certainly not something that investors want to put their money into. Unless, of course, they can get a lot of subsidies uh, for doing so. And that's why renewables have been invested in so much. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But it, but it made perfect sense for the legislature to reverse the PC's decision, and they wouldn't do it. So that gets us to the second purpose. The second thing that the legislature should have done is addressing the causes of the blackouts in 2021 so we don't have them again whether it be in the summer of 21 or later on and of course in order to do that we need to know what the causes were for the texas 2021 blackout well as we all know the proximate cause was really cold weather historically cold weather and never in my lifetime has texas experienced cold weather and extended below freezing and even you know, teen and, and down into the zeros kind of weather as we did this session. It just, it, this summer, winter, it just never has happened before. And so that's the proximate cause. But but the thing we have to remember is that our analysis did, and I, I'm, I do a lot of things here and there, but one of the things I do is I'm the, the policy director for the Energy Alliance. And our analysis, this showed that it was quite possible that Texas could have avoided a blackout entirely if it were not for the for Texas's rapidly increasing reliance on renewable energy. At the worst, we saw that Texans might have experienced just temporary rolling blackouts, you know, 30 minutes at a pop and they're gone, less than you would probably experience during your average thunderstorm where, uh, where the lines get knocked down or they have to come back in and fix something along the lines. So it, it could have been a very minimal experience, but instead it wasn't. And the difference is renewables. 
Now, why do I place the blame largely on renewables? After all, you know, some natural gas and, and even nuclear generation also shut down during the freeze. And, and that's true. There was trouble with all types of generation during the deep freeze. Yet the, the failure of renewables, uh, both wind and solar, was, was much, much greater. Uh, a much higher percentage of renewables was out than with natural gas or with nuclear. In fact, when all this went down, was that on a Monday morning, early Monday morning, Sunday night, I think it was, when the lights started going out, uh, solar wasn't participating at all for the very simple reason that the sun wasn't shining. And of course, wind was not doing very well either because the wind wasn't blowing. So when we needed the most, renewables didn't show up. Plus, we can add to that that a lot of the problems that can be attributed to natural gas generation is that the grid managers shut down electricity to the plants that were supplying natural gas to the generators. It wasn't the generator's fault in, in all cases. In some cases it was. But it wasn't the generator's fault that they couldn't get the natural gas. Right? So natural gas generation wasn't the problem, despite what a lot of people were saying. So if it's renewable energy that is the primary cause of the blackouts, how did the legislature do with that? Well, I'm here to tell you they didn't do very well on this one either. Matter of fact, they, they whiffed. I love baseball, and I love strikeouts, at least when they're strikeouts that the Astros pitchers are throwing to the other side, and they, they tend to do pretty well with that. And the Astros batters tend to strike out less than most other batters do in the league. So I, I love whiffs in baseball, but I don't love whiffs in the legislature, particularly when it comes to dealing with conservative priorities and the legislature just whiffed when it came to dealing with renewables. As a matter of fact, actually, that might be overstating their effort because the legislature didn't really even attempt to reel in renewables. Now, Senator Hancock, uh, Kelly Hancock, actually did some good stuff. He, he tried to do some good stuff anyway. He put some really good language into a bill that he filed and then in, into Senate Bill 3, which passed the legislature. And, and to deal with the, the blackouts. And, and that language would have forced the PUC, required the PUC to, to require renewable generators to pay for the cost of acquiring more electricity when they have committed to the system, but they don't show up. Right? Currently, everybody else has to pay in that situation, but renewable generators don't. Well, that, that language got weakened before it even got out of the Senate. And then it got stripped in the Texas House. Now, the, the final bill in, the Senate, in Senate Bill 3 that passed had some language that had to do with ancillary services, which is the, the issue at stake here. But it didn't have anything to do directly with renewables. And it's very unlikely that the renewable-friendly PUC will do anything useful or reasonable with this when it comes to renewables. Uh, now... There was also an effort to take um, renewables, remove renewables eligibility for Chapter 313 property tax abatements. Those are tax abatements offered by school districts, and it's one of the main reasons 
that we have so many wind and solar farms in Texas because these school districts give these tax abatements to these farms. And they, they, they build them with these big tax breaks so that we have to pay property taxes, and but they don't. And so a number of legislators were interested in that. And, and Brian Birdwell, who's really been no friend of ours on this issue, actually put, he's a senator, he put a provision in one of his bills to take out renewable eligibility. See, the, the thing is that Chapter 313 is going to expire at the end of next year if the legislature doesn't renew it. And there's almost no chance that it won't be renewed because it is such a popular bill with uh, not just with Governor Abbott, but also big business. They get millions and millions of dollars out of this every year, hundreds of millions of dollars perhaps, and they're not eager to give it up. So a bill was going to pass or was thought it was going to pass to renew Chapter 313. Birdwell's bill would have actually stripped renewable eligibility for that, but he didn't deal with his bill. And when the House bill came through his committee, he didn't put that language in his bill. And it came out of his committee without that. Now, the good news is is that that bill actually failed. And at this point, 313 is still set to expire. But it, it's pretty likely that either in one of the special sessions or even in the January 2023 session, they'll come back and probably renew it. Not that a lot of us won't be trying to stop it. And it's still a possibility. But it's tough taking on these, these big corporate cronyist interests. So anyway, the legislature didn't even do that. So, but there are still things that can be done to stop the harm being caused by renewables. You know, first, the PUC, and not that they're likely to do this, but if enough people put pressure on them and enough policymakers, elected officials, if we put enough pressure on our elected officials and they put enough pressure on the PUC, the, the PUC might force renewables to pay for this electricity that they're not providing when the wind stops blowing or the sun stops shining. They already have the authority they need to do that. Second, when Governor Abbott calls the legislature back in for special sessions that he's talked about, both he and the legislature should make it a priority to remove all property tax abatements from both counties and school districts for renewables. Now, of course, they should eliminate all property tax abatements and all corporate welfare, but we'll just settle for renewables. Now, Abbott's been a big fan of corporate cronyism and corporate welfare for a long time. It's unlikely to happen, but we should be pushing them to do it. And then finally, the PEC commissioners should eliminate all subsidies for renewable generators. Well, at the same time, making clear that they don't have the authority to arbitrarily raise or lower market prices or otherwise interfere in the markets like they have been over the last five, six, seven years. So if they just took these three steps, our policymakers and elected officials took these three steps, we would begin to see the rise of investors' confidence in the in that the Texas growing economy will once again provide attractive investment opportunities in reliable generation like natural gas and coal and nuclear. Particularly these days, that's natural gas because coal and nuclear have other issues, that they're, regulatory issues that they're, they're dealing with. So now, I'm not the only one out there pointing out the failure of the, of the uh, Texas legislature to deal with the blackout secession. There are others out there who are doing it. Matter of fact, 
um, there was a group of uh, former PUC commissioners, about five or six of them, I think, one of them from the Richards administration. Uh, the rest were either from Bush or Perry, I think. And they have come out with a list of recommendations that Texans should do, and they failed to do in the legislative session this session. But the thing is with these guys and gals is they all want more government. They all want more government intervention. They all want more regulations. And that's what's gotten us in trouble in the Texas electricity market. Texas used to have the most competitive electricity market in the entire world. But year after year, let's say it's really the last six, eight, ten years, but really the worst in the last four, five, six years, the legislature and the PUC have just continued to intervene in the market more and more. And what did we get out of that? Major blackouts. More government isn't going to solve the problem. Less government will. Less government intervention and more markets. And that's what's going to solve the problem. But the truth of the matter is, is that the people in charge and the people who support the people in charge, big business and their lobbies and the media and all those kinds of things, don't want to deal with this. Right? For a couple of reasons. One, there's a lot of money to be made. Billions and billions of dollars. Since 2006, uh, the subsidies for renewable energies in Texas alone have totaled about $24.2 billion. The industry will pay a lot of money to protect that kind of um, income stream. And then second of all, if uh, you know, Governor Abbott or the, uh, the Texas legislature really came out and took on renewables like they should, they'd in effect be admitting that they did not do a good job of taking care of Texans in the first place. That the blackouts that we had this past year are really largely this their fault. And the higher electricity prices... Energy prices we paid either through our, you know, through the, our bills, electricity bills, or through our, um, or through our taxes. We pay higher elect, uh, income taxes and higher property taxes because of these subsidies. They would have been admitting that it was all their fault, so they're unlikely to do that. So they're not going to want to do what needs to be done to reduce our electricity bills that are going to be totaling billions of dollars as a result of the great Texas blackout. So the only thing that we can do is put more pressure on them through groups like Texas Scorecard and, uh, and a lot of other conservative free market groups here in Texas. Well, that's it for the Liberty Cafe today, episode 42. Thank you once again for being with me, and thanks also once again to our great sponsor, Texas Scorecard. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Cafe with Bill Peacock. This show is produced by Texas Scorecard. You can learn more about this show and find other shows at texasscorecard.com. Be sure you subscribe and rate this show on whatever platform you listen on. See you next time.